You're listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. You can send Matt feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests at goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Here's your host, Matt Jackson. Welcome to the Good News Project podcast. My name is Matt Jackson. Got a lot of stuff I want to talk about this week, but let me start with a quick update on my wife, who I was uh, talking about last week. We've had uh, COVID running through our house, and thankfully my youngest son is doing well and back to school, and my wife uh, is much, much, much better off than she was last week. Hopefully should be cleared uh, to get back to work pretty soon. And I can report that uh, as I pod right now, I am currently uh, in quarantine. I too tested positive for um, COVID last Friday night. Just give you some uh, some quick insight on this. And I do want to get to some sports. I want to get to the Astros World Series, uh, upcoming World Series against the Braves. And I also want to get to uh, just a couple of thoughts on the NBA's 75 at 75 list that they came out with this past week. But um, managed to ma- make it almost 18 months without a uh, a positive COVID test. But, um, you know, I uh, last Wednesday or so, I started feeling a little congested. I thought it was just a grass allergy uh, because I get grass allergies a lot and I'm a soccer coach, so I'm out on the grass a lot. Um, But last Friday night, when I could not uh, taste my dinner, I thought it would be a pretty good idea to go and get tested. And sure enough, um, I I did test positive for COVID, um, which, you know, unfortunately knocked me out of school this week. And And I really feel like <clears throat> Two years ago, I definitely would have been at school, and I would have been teaching. I don't feel, I don't feel that terrible. I think I've been fortunate in that regard. And another kind of uh, interesting silver lining is the Saturday after I went to the urgent care, I got a phone call from a researcher with the urgent care, and they were doing. Um, they're doing a um, using an experimental drug research with Pfizer to try to develop basically the COVID equivalent of Tamiflu, and they asked me if I would like to be part of their research project. And spoiler alert, they found my price point, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, sure." I was scheduled to get like an infusion on Monday, but instead, I told them I would come in and. And be a part of their double blind test. So I don't know if I've got the medication or I'm getting the placebo, but that is my um, <clears throat> that is my strategy for uh, combating COVID or or um, you know kind of waiting this thing out. Um, you know, let me say that um, the just to give you an idea. Um, Hopefully, most of you have not uh, experienced this so far. You know, the weirdest thing about this COVID thing, at least from a symptom standpoint, is the last lack of smell and taste. I'm not exactly congested, but it's like I have 
it's like I have a lump of paste in the back of my throat. And it just, it's like permanently there. And I'm really dehydrated and I'm really tired. But I haven't had any fever and really minimal um, body aches. And, you know, like I said, two years ago, this would have been something that I would have just fought through and gone and, and, and taught and whatnot. So, you know, I... I definitely um, feel like I'll be better by the weekend and be ready to go. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a lot more fortunate than many people that um, that that get COVID. So I'm definitely feeling uh, fortunate and appreciative about that. And I'm definitely fortunate and appreciative that my son is better. And, and, and thank God that my wife is doing better than last week um, as well. All right, let's talk about some baseball. Astros are back in the World Series for the third time in five years. They're getting like one of these little odd uh, year number things going on, kind of like the Spurs had in the 2000s with going to the NBA Finals seemingly every odd number year. But uh, they finished off the Red Sox fairly comfortably, uh, despite being down 2-1 in the series and um, down in Game 4. They stormed back and absolutely just throttled the Red Sox, closing out the series um, outscoring the Red Sox 22 to one from the back end of game four all the way to the conclusion of game six. And they're going to draw an Atlanta Brave team. The last time the Astros played a meaningful game against the Atlanta Braves, a, a guy named Chris Burke hit an 18th hitting home run in the eight, uh, the 18th thing of a game, a game in which Roger Clements came out of the bullpen, a game in which Raul Chavez played first base in extra innings and was taking him off his chest like he was a hockey goalie. That was the last time the Atlanta Braves, who were the Astros' daddy for the longest time in the Maddox-Glavin-Smoltz era against the Killer Bees. The Astros could never, ever, ever, ever get past the Atlanta Braves in the Killer Bee era. It wasn't until uh, Pettito's, Walton Clements were in the rotation uh, that the Astros seemingly had the uh, Atlanta Braves number. But this is kind of a, a, a little bit of a throwback series. But I think most Houston fans, you know, given that it's been 15 years plus since um, the Astros pay, played meaningful National League baseball, with all due respect to interleague play, um, is, this feels different. Um, I, I, d- I definitely don't have any type of ill will or animosity towards the Atlanta Braves. That certainly would have been the case if the Dodgers were in the World Series. Um, and and I'll be honest, I am treating this series somewhat anticlimactically like a coronation. It would be stunning to me if the Astros do not win the World Series and do so quite comfortably. Um, I was one of the people that did not expect the Red Sox to give the Astros much of a fight. And in the grand scheme of things, the Astros blew out the Red Sox in three of the four wins. And I don't think Atlanta's going to give the Astros much of a much of a fight either. I really think all of the... Um, hype and storylines that have been against the Astros and trying to paint a picture or a scenario in which they lose are ignoring facts and allowing their 
hatred for the Astros and about a story that's more than three years old at this point to really blind them to the reality, which is that the Astros have a lineup that is very difficult to stop and they have enough good pitching that is apparently hot at the right time, particularly in the bullpen, uh, that they should not have to too difficult a time taking on an Atlanta Braves team that really was not that good this season. A lot has been made of the Atlanta Braves having the best record in baseball since the trade deadline. But when you actually dig into those numbers a little bit, they were a um, a seven and ten team against uh, against teams with a winning record. Um, at the time that they played them, they feasted on some really bad National League East teams. Uh, and I also think they were, you look at who they played in the playoffs. They played the St. Louis Cardinals, who really weren't that good of a team this year. The Cardinals got hot, won 20 straight games in a stretch of August and September, which allowed them to win um, the wild card. Uh, but they weren't really, you know, they weren't a team that was... Uh, that you had to, I, I think, worry all that much about. Um, and then by the time they got to the Dodgers, the Dodgers had gone through a knockdown drag out five-game series with the Atlanta Braves. They lost Justin Turner. They lost Max Muncie. They didn't have Clayton Kershaw. You had uh, Max Scherzer with a worn-out arm at that point. And you had some really baffling managerial decisions by Dave Roberts. That's not to say that the, you know, that the Braves didn't deserve to beat the Dodgers because they did. They dominated them. I would just say, um, and I would say this about the Astros too. I don't think either one of these teams have been particularly tested. I would argue that of all of the trips to the World Series that the Astros have made, so we're talking about 2005, we're talking about 2017, we're talking about 2019, and we're talking about 2021. I would say that this is the weakest group of teams that the Astros have had to play in the postseason. I didn't think the White Sox were t- particularly good, um, and I don't think the Red Sox were particularly good. The two teams that really scared me as an Astros fan that I was like, well, that's a team that can beat the Astros. You know, one was Tampa Bay. And they didn't even get by Boston. And then obviously the Dodgers, um, you know, the Dodgers could not get past Atlanta. I think, uh, I think the Astros have got to feel pretty confident against this Atlanta team. Um, and some of it is name recognition. I don't pretend to follow National League Baseball anymore. But I, I don't think the average baseball fan could name more than four or five Atlanta Braves. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman, Charlie Morton, Max Freed. Um, if you've been, uh, you know, uh, 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 the shortstop that they got in the trade with uh, Arizona, Swanson. Um, just not a lot of household names. And, uh, you know, I, I expect the Astros to treat them accordingly. There's nothing intimidating about going to Atlanta to win a game. And I just don't, you'll look for uh, player to player. If you were just playing a pickup game, you know, some some backyard baseball, how many Atlanta Braves would go in the top 10 in terms of the hitters? You know, just historically, you have Freddie Freeman 
And that's about it. Ronald Acuna is not walking through that door. Um, all due respect to the Braves. Anyone that get to the, gets to the World Series can win a World Series. But do you really think they're shutting down that Astros lineup? You know, Jose Altuve, Bregman, Correa, Jordan, Yuli, Kyle Tucker. Who is shutting down that Astros lineup? They don't need a million starting pitchers if their bullpen is, is you know, going to be as solid as it was. I ex- And I don't expect them with kind of the National League style of things. No, most National League lineups are not particularly good. You, you're, there's a lot of ways to pitch around parts of the lineup. As long as the Astros aren't making mistakes in the field, um, they're just a lot better team. They're, they're, they're a better team. And I expect the better team to rise to the, uh, to the occasion. And I don't know that it's going to be particularly close. I, I can see the Astros line up just, you know, they average, what, six runs a game so far in the postseason. And I could see something similar. You know, maybe maybe the Braves were able to get a split um, in the first two games when they have their, you know, their two best starters going. But it's not like the Astros don't have a scouting report on Charlie Morton. Um, and I know he's come up big in postseason games before. Um, but but I think it's asking a lot for the Braves uh, to beat the Astros. This is a better team right now than what the LA Dodgers were. The Dodgers had a bunch of names, but they didn't necessarily have the winning pedigree that the Astros do uh, in the postseason. And I, I think there, you know, there's also the the factor of of uh, Dusty Baker. I think the motivation to get get a victory for Dusty Baker is huge. I think also for Carlos Correa. I think maybe internally Carlos Correa already knows this is his last series in Houston. And he may want to, you know, he may want to go out and leave his mark. I think it would be a lot easier for Astro fans to accept that Carlos Correa uh, leaves and goes into free agency, whether it's the Yankees or the Rangers or um, wherever he ends up going. I think Astro fans could accept it a lot more uh, if he left with a championship. We'll see what direction he goes in the offseason, but... Let's focus on the here and now. I think the Astros win. I think they win comfortably. I don't think this series goes beyond six. And it wouldn't be shocking to me if the Astros uh, win it in five. So pretty excited about that. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Hopefully have a parade in the Houston area coming up um, a week and a half from now. But I am extremely confident. Take it to the bank. Astros in six. Real quick thought. On the NBA's 75 and 75 list, this was, you know, in honor of the 75th anniversary of the NBA. You may remember a quarter century ago, the NBA came up with its uh, 50 best players in 50 years list, and now they've added on to that list 25 years later. A couple of interesting um, additions to the list that probably should have been on the list the first time. Number one, Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight reel, who somehow didn't make the 50 for 50 list, uh, but did make the, um, you know, the 75 for 75. 
just a phenomenal score, m- known for his dunking, but still one of the single greatest playoff games I ever saw was Game 7 of the 1985 uh, Eastern Conference semifinals when Dominique and Bird went one on one. It was it was it was amazing. Um, definitely Dominique Wilkins' greatest game, and really a game that should have put him on the map as an all time great. And I'm still bitter. I am still bitter as a Dominique Wilkins fan. The year the Hawks finally probably had the best team in the NBA, they traded Dominique Wilkins at the trade deadline to the Clippers for Danny Manning. And if I remember correctly, I think the Hawks then lost in the first round of the playoffs, maybe to, I want to say like a Glenn Rice-led Heat team or a Glenn Rice-led Hornet team. Can't remember which. But Dominic Wilkins, very deserving of being on that list. Reggie Miller added to the list. I'm a, I'm a little torn on this one. I guess the question is, can you tell the story of the NBA without Reggie Miller? And I guess you can't, but it's like Reggie Miller is best known for his one series against the Knicks where he, he and Spike Lee were going mano a mano. And, uh, you know, in terms of his accomplishments, he did get to an NBA finals, lost to the Lakers, Um, an elite shooter, not a great defensive player. A Hall of Famer I'm fine with, but is he one of the 75 best players of all time? I don't know about that. And when I tell you one of the names that I feel like should be on the list, I think that player is better than Reggie Miller. Two other guys I got a problem with. Carmelo Anthony should not be on the list. Carmelo Anthony, to me, one of the five most overrated players in league history. Not the same player that I saw in high school at Oak Hill Academy who came to Houston and played in the Academy National Invitational. Not the same player that I saw dominate at Syracuse and win a national championship. You know, that he, he was not that selfish a player at Oak Hill, and that was a stacked Oak Hill team that had like 10 D1 prospects on it. Yeah, he was a little more selfish at Syracuse, uh, but he was good. I mean, think, think of all the good teams and players he beat as a freshman pretty impressive but as an NBA player I mean winning should count and what's his the best he ever did is at least in terms of being like a a, a star caliber player on a on a winning team he got to one conference final with the Nuggets, the year that the Rockets lost in seven to the Lakers when Yao Ming got injured in the middle of the series. He got to one conference finals with the Nuggets. He was vastly overrated as part of the Knicks, never won anything, and really is just kind of a black hole offensively. The ball comes in, it's not coming out. Seems like he could have been a much better player than his numbers seem to indicate. His numbers seem to indicate, you know, an all-time great score. Um, I was just never scared if the Rockets were taking on a team that had Carmelo Anthony on it 
and it was coming down the stretch, I was never afraid that Carmelo Anthony was going to put my team away. So I don't think I'd have him on that list. And I'm not a big Russell Westbrook fan either. I, you know, Russell Westbrook, I know he won an MVP. I know he's got the crazy triple-double numbers. But I just don't view him as one of the... I don't view him as one... How can he be one of the 75 greatest players in NBA history? It's not fathomable. You know, at his best, would I want to build my team around him? A championship caliber team? I don't think so. Let me give you the name of somebody that, to me, has got to be on the list. A guy that I I think is so drastically underrated. Joe Dumars. Where's Joe Dumars on this list? The only person that could get under the skin of Jordan. Underrated score. Give me Joe Dumars 10 times out of 10 over Russell Westbrook or Carmelo Anthony, but he was completely understated. He he didn't hype himself up like his teammate Isaiah Thomas or certainly like today's generation of NBA superstars. You know, the 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 the, the added players are the the no-brainers, the Kevin Garnett's, the Paul Pierce's, the Ray Allen's, the Allen Iversons, the Kevin Durant's, the James Harden's, Damian Lillard's on that list, Kobe Bryant. Those names are pretty obvious. Another omission to me. Where's Tony Parker on that list? I mean, Tony Parker is a, a part of multiple championship teams. Multiple first and second team All-NBA performances. I would rather build my franchise around Tony Parker than Russell Westbrook every day of the year. And I think I'd rather have Manu Ginobili on my 75 and 75 than Russell Westbrook. The Spurs had a dynasty. How do you not respect that? You know, Duncan's on made the list. Kawhi Leonard made the list. But to me, Parker and Ginobili have got to be on that 75 and 75 for their accomplishments as players and really for what their teams did more than anything. So just my thoughts on the NBA 75 at 75 list and welcome your input as well. As always, if you have anything you'd like for me to talk about on the podcast, or anything I can be praying about, you can email me goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at MJ4Sports. That's M- at MJ, the number four, sports. Thank you for listening again this week. Hopefully next week we'll be talking about an Astros championship. I'll be 100% uh, healthy and back at school and hopefully some more positive things to talk about. But until next time, Matt Jackson saying so long, and thank you for listening to the Good News Project. Tell me something good. You've been listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. To reach out to Matt with feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests, email goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com.